0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Historic Pinstripes again. My name is Brian and I have been a diehard Yankees fan since I was about 7 years old. The goal of the Historic Pinstripes is as always to preserve the rich history and tradition of the New York Yankees by discussing the greatest Yankees players and moments in Yankees history. So thank you for tuning in this week. Um, I'm sorry for uh, not having an episode out in the past few weeks but Uh, But anyways, without further deliberation, this week's episode will be on the 1939 New York Yankees. The 1939 New York Yankees, getting right into it. um, They were first in attendance, um, which, of course, they had won three World Series in a row. Uh, um, The last three episodes that I've done were on the 1936, 1937, and 1938 episodes. So this is their fourth World Series that they won in a row, um, as we will, of course, later No, um and the 1939 yankees were probably one of the greatest yankees teams of all time and they're not really well known in yankees history as much as like the 1961 yankees the 1927 yankees or even the 1998 yankees of course um um, or even like the 2009 yankees maybe Um, but this team was was a really great team they had 106 wins um in 1939 they were 106 and 45 um they had one tie of course that being because of lights um you know they didn't have access to lights during uh night games so sometimes some night games would have to be called even during a tie cuz you know they didn't have um you know they didn't have enough light oh. um but anyways getting right to it the the team for the Yankees were was basically the same of course for the one glaring uh uh hole that they had and um obviously Lou Gehrig, this was his final year for the New York Yankees and of course, it was pushed into it because he had ALS, which they didn't know about at the time. Um, they just thought they just knew something was wrong with him. Um, so uh, Lou Gehrig, however, did play eight games for the New York Yankees in 1939. He had uh, no home runs, one RBI. Um, so it's really not really even worth saying his statistics because it really. I mean, he was only. I think it was not even a month. Um, by May, it was Babe Dahlgren that came, that took over for him. Um, but anyways, getting into the roster, like I mentioned, Babe Dahlgren, um, basically took over after almost a month. I think it was like, I think it was like April, late April when Babe Dahlgren took over for Lou Gehrig. Um, he was 27 years old at the time. He was a right-handed batter. First baseman, of course, batting 235 that year, 15 number 89 RBIs. So even just right there, um, Babe Dahlgren was not the player that Lou Gehrig was, um, but of course, you know when you have a player like Lou Gehrig, Lou Gehrig is that, that, that that's impossible um, production to replace um, a guy like Lou Gehrig. Um, so it was a, it was extremely difficult, it had to be very difficult for Babe Dahlgren to try to re- replace Lou Gehrig. And obviously, you can't replace Lou Gehrig, so you, you just have to try to do your best and uh, fill that spot for the Yankees as best you can. And considering the Yankees' record, I mean, I guess he did he did he did good enough to help them. Um, so. Um, you know, his numbers weren't great. Um, he did have 15 home runs, 89 RBIs. He had um, 18 doubles, uh, a 312 on-base percentage, so not great. OPS plus, which is, again, your on-base plus lugging adjusted, um, which was 76, so it's under 100, um, and 100 is average, so he was basically a, a below-average hitter. Um, um, as far as defense, I'm not really sure. I didn't really see a whole lot about his defense defense. Um, but Bill Dickey of course again was the catcher left-handed hitter 32 years old he finished um the MVP voting in, in sixth place actually um he's basically at this point he was a perennial all-star he hit 302 in 1939 had a 403 on base percentage um he also had a 138 on base plus slugging adjusted so he was a well above average um catcher um hitting catcher for for that matter And uh, his home runs, he had 24 home runs, 105 RBIs, played 128 games, um, 37 strikeouts in 128 games, and he had 565 at-bats, so that's pretty incredible. Of course, this day and age, they didn't strike out a whole lot. They tried to put the bat on the ball, and Bill Dickey was really good at doing that. Of course, he had 24 home runs, so, I mean, um, he he had a great offensive year for anybody, especially for catching, um, because catchers, I don't think, in those days really hit like that, Um, but I think for the most part in Bill Dickey's career, he was mostly known as a contact hitter, Um, but um, he did have some power, and of course, he had that right field porch that Babe Ruth loved so much, I'm sure, Um, um, uh, I think at that time, I think it was 297 down the line, Um, but of course, now it's 314, Um, so the second baseman, Joe Gordon, 24 years old, um, he was an all-star that year, MVP, uh, ninth in the MVP running, I should say. He played second base, um, 284 hitter. Hit, uh, he had an on-base percentage of 370 and an on-base plus fucking adjusted of 123. So he was, a, again, another well-above-average offensive player for the Yankees. So um, what they didn't have in Lou Gehrig after, you know, late April, and really even in April they didn't, like Lou Gehrig wasn't, The Lou Gehrig that that everybody knew about They just knew something was wrong with Gehrig Um, So I mean they they had This young guy Joe Gordon the second baseman Bill Dickey um, And um, a few other guys we'll get into um, A few other notes on Joe Gordon he had 648 plate appearances so he played an awful Lot 151 games of course he was A very young player Had 28 home runs 111 RBIs 32 doubles As well for Joe Gordon Moving on to the shortstop, again, um, this guy was a long-time shortstop for the New York Yankees throughout his career. I think he only, actually he only played for the Yankees in his career and then became a coach for the Yankees for many years is Frankie Crusetti 28 years old in 1939. He was an all-star. I, he, was, um, he was known as being a great defensive uh, shortstop, I believe, but his hitting wasn't uh, like he, he was good enough. And I, I think especially for the the Yankee team he was I think he was their leadoff guy. But back in these days shortstops didn't really hit a whole lot. They were they were mostly there because they wanted somebody to play defense and Frankie Grizzetti was really good at that. Um but also I um Frankie Crizzetti, like I said, he was a leadoff hitter, so he was probably just really good at getting on base for you know, for the next guy, even though his on base percentage in nineteen thirty nine was only three fifteen. But at at the same time they I don't even think they knew what on-base percentage was in 1939. Um, he had a 66 OPS plus, 10 home runs, 56 RBIs, and 152 games. He played a lot of games. Actually, he led the um, the major leagues with 743 plate appearances, and I believe that's not the first time. I don't think that's the first time he's done that. Um, he had 11 uh, stolen bases that year, five triples, and he also had 25 doubles in 1939. Uh, so now the third baseman, Red Rolfe, left-handed hitter. He was 27th in the MVP voting, which obviously, you know, I just kind of like to note that because um, yeah, at least he got some MVP votes and it kind of shows you how good of a year Red Rolfe had. He was also an all-star, 30 years old Red Rolfe at this time in 1939. He had a three twenty nine batting average, four oh four on base percentage, which is very, very good, of course. Um, he had 130 OPS+. plus. Um, so this is definitely one of his better years. 14 home runs, 80 RBIs. He had 162 games played for the New York Yankees. Actually, I no, 152 games played for the New York Yankees and 731 at-bats. So he almost had as many as, at-bats as Frankie Grizzetti, which is, you know, obviously that's the whole left side of the infield, and they basically played pretty much all the, the Yankees games because back then, I believe, I believe back then, it was like 154 games played played. Um, but, uh, you know, so Red Rove had a heck of a year. He had 100, he had 41 strikeouts and 152 games played. Um, seven stolen bases, 10, double, 10 triples, 46 doubles, and he led the major leagues in doubles. Um, that's an awful lot of doubles. Um, and then they had a rookie playing right field and a little bit of left field as well, Charlie Keller, also known as King Kong Keller. He was 22 years old. 22nd in MVP voting. Um he had a 3.34 batting average that year. Uh Charlie Keller had a 4.47 on-base percentage, one forty-three on on-base plus slugging adjusted, He had 11 home runs, 83 RBIs. He had played in 111 games in the outfield for the Yankees. He had 40 only struck out 49 times in 490 plate appearances. Um he had six doubles or six triples. Six stolen bases and 21 doubles. Um, so Charlie Keller, uh, he had obviously a great year, and he's probably one of the one of the best players the Yankees have. That is also one of the most underrated players as well. There's not, um, I mean, I think um, a lot of like diehard Yankee fans know about him, but if you go back and look at a lot of Charlie Keller's numbers, he he was a very very good Yankee. Um, uh, and uh, I, like I didn't realize how good his numbers were. He was very very good. I don't know if he. I think he didn't have enough to be a Hall of Famer, but he was still a very good baseball player. Um. Uh. Anyways, George Selkirk was the left fielder mostly, but he also played some right field as well. Um. Because they moved guys around sometimes. Uh. So George Selkirk, 31 years old, he was an All Star as well. Um. Basically everybody. Everybody in the Yankees. Um. Uh, line lineup except for Babe Dahlgren and Charlie Keller were all-stars um, including George Selkirk like I mentioned. He had 306 that year. This is a breakout year for, for George Selkirk. He had 21 home runs, a 101 RBIs. He had played in 128 games only struck out 49 times. He had 12 stolen bases 4 triples and 17 doubles for George Selkirk. He had 148 on-base plus slugging adjusted um, which is actually the best on the team, uh, second only to Joe DiMaggio, and uh, he had a four fifty two on on-base percentage. So George Selkirk had a great, great year, um, and that's a phenomenal on-base percentage. Actually, Charlie Keller was the only other guy that was close to George um, Selkirk in on-base percentage, uh, besides Joe DiMaggio, of course. Uh, he had a four forty seven on on-base percentage. Um but well, moving on to the eighth and final guy on the who was one of their main starters, Joe DiMaggio, center fielder for the New York Yankees, he was an all-star and he won the MVP that year in nineteen twenty nine. I mean nineteen thirty-nine. He was twenty four years old, center fielder of course, played um he actually played in hundred and twenty games that year, um, only struck out twenty times in five hundred and twenty four played appearances, three stolen bases, six triples. And he also had 32 doubles. Um, he actually led the league in batting average with a 381 batting average. He had a four forty eight on on-base percentage. Um, so, I mean, he actually, you know, George Selkirk actually had a higher on-base percentage than uh, Joe DiMaggio, but, I mean, of course, not by much. Uh, of course, Joe DiMaggio also had 30 home runs and 126 RBIs. Um, and he only played 120 games, also. So that's that's just incredible how how great Dimaggio played that year. He had 184 on base plus slugging adjusted as well, and that's the best on the team. Of course, Dimaggio being the Yankee Clipper, and you know this is well into his prime, um, and he was only 24 years old. Also, some other notes about the Yankees lineup: third baseman Red Ruff he led the league in hits with 213 hits, run scored. Uh, 139 runs scored, and he also led the league in doubles with 46. Frank Rossetti, as I mentioned, led the league in plate appearances and at-bats as well with 656 at-bats and 743 plate appearances. So that's, um, that's probably the best lineup that the Yankees have had in the I – mean, Well, I mean, I guess 1936 and 37, they had some, I mean, really, in in this entire dynasty that I'm talking about between 1936 and 1939, the Yankees had some great offense. Um, But um, considering that Lou Gehrig wasn't even in the lineup, and, I mean, this lineup was stacked. And and had Lou Gehrig been healthy and hadn't, you know, had what he had had, I mean, imagine just how good this Yankee team would have been. They probably could have been the greatest Yankee team of all time, um, considering they had 106 wins. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, Lou Gehrig just couldn't play past April. I mean, he just wasn't, he wasn't himself. Um, but anyways, moving on. Um, the, uh, moving to the bench for the Yankees, of course, there was uh, 36-year-old Lou Gehrig. But actually, Lou Gehrig wasn't really on the bench. I believe he started at all eight games. Um, but I think it was like sometime around late, it was was either late April or early May when he just, um, you know, he told the manager, Joe Joe McCarthy, that, you know, he'd be better off just putting somebody else in, and that's when he put in Babe Dahlgren. So, you know, Lou Gehrig really never actually played off the bench, but of course, I think I felt like I kind of had to include Lou Gehrig on the roster, so I kind of just put him on the bench. Um. So some of the other, some of the primary bench players anyway are 26-year-old Tommy Heinrich, who I think this was his second year in the major leagues at this time. Um, He was a right fielder, played some center field when Joe DiMaggio was out. Tommy Heinrich at 277 with a 371 on-base percentage and 105 on-base plus slugging adjusted, which is above average. um, Nine home runs and 57 RBIs. Um, He played in 99 games for the Yankees, only struck out 23 times in 406 plate appearances, 7 stolen bases, 4 triples, and 18 doubles for Tommy Heinrich, the 26-year-old outfielder. Um, Then there was 24-year-old Buddy Rosar, backup catcher for the New York Yankees. Um, He only played in uh, about 43 games for the Yankees, struck out just 10 times in those 43 games, which also included 121 at, uh, plate appearances, four stolen bases, five doubles. He had 12 RBIs, no home runs, an and on-base plus slugging adjusted, just to show you how good of an offensive player he was. Um, that year, he had 80 um, off OPS plus. Um, and because he was o- under 100, he was that for that year, he was below average um, to the average Major League Baseball player. But, you know, he was a backup catcher. He did have a 356 on base percentage, though. Um, Jake Powell, 30-year-old, um, he was an outfielder for the New York Yankees. I believe he played mostly left field and right field for the Yankees, um, backing up George Selkirk and Charlie Keller. Um, but uh, Jake Powell was 30 years old. He had 244 that year. He had one home run, nine RBIs, played in 31 games, struck out just eight times in 91 plate appearances, which is very good. Um, he had one stolen base, one triple, and four doubles. And then there was also the twenty five year old outfielder Joe Gallagher. Um Joe Gallagher only played in fourteen games. He struck out eight times in forty seven plate appearances. He had a two forty four batting average, three fourteen on base percentage. He also had a ninety one on base plus slugging adjusted, two home runs and nine RBIs um for the Yankees. And um, one other thing about the Yankees in that year of 1939 was, of course, back in the 1930s, there was no DH until, not, I think it was 1973, when Ron Bloomberg became the first ever uh, person to, to have that bat as a designated hitter. So, the pitchers, you know, were still, they still had to hit, and they, they always um, had to hit. And there were some really good hitting pitchers, and for the Yankees that year, they had two guys who were very good hitting pitchers. One was Red Ruffing, who was the Yankees ace that year, pretty much. Well, besides Lefty Gomez, they kind of had uh, two aces. But Red Ruffing had a very good offensive year for the Yankees. He hit 307 with a 347 on-base percentage and a 78 on-base plus slugging adjusted. Which, yes, 78 is. Uh, I mean, he was a, 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 I mean, a below-average offensive player considering his on-base plus slugging adjusted was below 100. But I mean just to hit 300, and uh, on-base percentage being three, 347 is very good. He had one home run, 20 RBIs, 44 games um, played, and he had 18 strikeouts and 124 plate appearances. So, I mean, uh, you know, he even had a double and a stolen base as well for Red Ruffings, which is very rare for a pitcher to ever steal a base. Um, nowadays, I don't think they would want the pitchers stealing. Um, and, of course, now there there is no... There's no really reason for any pitcher to be hitting because, of course, the designated hitter is universal. Um, so uh, the other uh, pitcher that had a really good season was Monty Pearson, right-handed pitcher for the New York Yankees. So he had a three twenty one batting average, a three seventy nine on on-base um, percentage. He also had a one oh four on on-base plus slugging adjusted. So he was above-average hitter. Um, considering his uh, OPS Plus was above 100. Um, so he had no home runs, seven RBIs, um, uh, and he had batted in 22 games, only struck out six times in 63 plate appearances for the New York Yankees. He had a triple and three doubles. Um, so Monty Pearson, had a, he had a heck of a year as a, a hitting for the New York Yankees. Um a couple other guys that, that did split, play in some games with the Yankees, um, there was Bill Knickerbocker, who was a middle infielder, played six games, and Arnt Georgins, um a catcher for the Yankees, uh, he played only three games. I didn't really include their numbers because, I mean, six and three games is not really all that much. But anyways, I just kind of wanted to mention them. The, of course, I, like I mentioned, the Yankees had six all-star players, Bill Dickey, Joe Gordon, Frankie Corsetti, uh Red Ralph. George Selkirk, the um, left fielder, and Joe DiMaggio, of course, the Yankee Clipper, um, was also an all-star. Coaching staff, again, was the same as th- it's been um, from 1936 to 1939. It was Joe McCarthy as the manager, Art Fletcher, Earl Coombs, and Johnny Schultz. I'm not exactly sure what each of those guys did, but I just figured I'd give you the information. Um, but, you know, this, looking at the numbers from from this team, I mean, considering they had a guy like Tommy Heinrich on the bench, he was only 26 years old. Um, you know, he was he had 277 nine home runs, 57 RBIs, 99 games played. Considering Dotto only played 120 games, however, when he played those 120 games, he had 381 and 30 home runs. I mean, just to have somebody like that off the bench, like Tommy Heinrich, that could step in like that is, is that just shows you how powerful this Yankee lineup was. Um, um, but anyways. Um, So as far as the defense went for the Yankees, they had George Selkirk in left. uh, Charlie Keller sometimes played left, and Jake Powell also played left. Joe DiMaggio and Tommy Heinrich for the center fielders. uh, Frankie Crusetti at short, Red Rolf at third, Joe Gordon at second base, and Babe Dahlgren at first base. Um, Oh, yeah, and right field was Charlie Keller, mostly in right field. Then Tommy Heinrich and George Selkirk played a little bit of right field, as as well as Jake Powell. Uh, Bill Dickey, of course, being the catcher for the New York Yankees, and the backup was Buddy Lazar, and sometimes aren't but mostly Buddy Lazar was the backup. Um, of course, Bill Dickey, was the, he was the guy. I mean, of course, he's a Hall of Fame catcher, so, um, I mean, um, he's going to play most of the time. The most common batting order for the New York Yankees um, in 1939 was no, uh, leadoff hitter Frankie Crosetti, number two hitter Red Roof, number three hitter. Charlie King Kong Keller, number 4 hitter, the Yankee Clipper, Joe DiMaggio, the number 5 hitter was mostly Bill Dickey, and then the number 6 hitter was George Selkirk, the number 7 hitter was Joe Gordon, and the number 8 hitter was Babe Dahlgren, and of course the number 9 hitter was the pitcher of that game, Um, because of course they didn't have a designated hitter back in those days. In the pitching rotation, um, as I mentioned, Red Ruffing was their ace as well as Lefty Gomez. Red Ruffing was 34 years old that year, was an all-star, 21-7 and with a 2.93 ERA, made 28 starts, 22 complete games that year, 5 shutouts, and he led the league in shutouts, pitched 233 innings. Lefty Gomez was 30 years old, was an all-star, 12-8, and with a 3.41 ERA, 26 starts, 14 complete games, 2 shutouts for the Yankees. He had 2 shutouts for the Yankees and pitched 198 innings. Then there was 34-year-old pitcher, right-handed starting pitcher Bump Hadley. He was 12-6 and with a 2.98 ERA, 18 starts for the Yankees, 7 complete games, 1 shutout, 154 innings pitched. Then there was a 28-year-old Atlee Donald, who was 13-3. and He actually led the league in uh, winning percentage. Um, he had a 3.71 ERA for the Yankees, made 20 starts, 11 complete games, two shutouts, and he had 153 innings pitched. Um, and 13-3, of course, was, his, was the best winning percentage in all of baseball that year. Um, then there was 30-year-old Monty Pearson, who uh, like I mentioned before, was a a great hitter that year as well as Red Ruffing. Um, but pitching, he was 12-5. and five. He had a 4.49 ERA, so it wasn't his best year as far as um, his pitching numbers went. Um, however, you know, I, I I would imagine the Yankees hitting must have really pulled through. And uh, he made 20 starts that year, eight complete games, no shutouts, 146 in the third innings pitched. Then there was Oral Hillebrand. He was a 32-year-old right-handed pitcher. with a 3.06 ERA, 15 starts, 7 complete games, and one shutout, and he pitched in 126 and two-thirds innings for the New York Yankees in 1939. Um, So I would say basically their their main starters were Red Ruffing, Lefty Gomez, Bump Hadley, and Atlee Donald, and, and Monty Pearson as well. But it's interesting how... It kind of makes you wonder how how they use the the rotation. But of course, back then too, though they, there wasn't as many games. I think it was like a 54 games. But I, I believe back then they used to have starting pitchers. Like they used to save guys like Red Ruffing, Lefty Gomez, for the big games. Like if they were facing a team like the Red Sox, who I don't, I'm not sure how they were in 1939. So if they were facing a team that wasn't very good, like a last place team. And uh, Red Ruffing was due to face that team. They would probably hold Red Ruffing back until we faced, you know, a more powerful team like, you know, somebody, somebody who was, um, you know, garnering for first place with the Yankees. Um, so that's probably why they didn't have as the starters didn't have as many starts, I would imagine. Um, and also, I would imagine because the Yankees had 106 wins, that they must have been they must have been in the lead in their division uh, for most of the year. Um, but uh, so anyways so the bullpen for the Yankees that year was um, of course Johnny Murphy all star that year 30 years old was not his greatest year though he had a 4.40 ERA but he did pitch in 38 games 61 and a third innings pitched he finished 34 games and had, and he had led the league in saves with 19 of course back then they didn't really um, they didn't really care about saves too much and I don't even know if saves was an actual stat at that time But, um, I mean, either way, they didn't really use the saves like they use now. Um, And, you know, of course, Johnny Murphy was kind of – he was used a lot like guys like, um, you know, uh, Raleigh Fingers, Goose Gossage, and those guys pitched multiple innings. And Johnny Murphy was no exception to that. If anything, he probably pitched more than three innings sometimes um, just to finish out the game. And, um, you know, uh, like even if if the Yankees were ahead by more than three runs – then he'd probably still come in and just finish it out. Um, because back in those days, they usually had the starter go as long as they could, then just bring in Donnie Murphy probably. Um, but So uh, moving on, in the Yankee bullpen, 29-year-old Steve Sundra, a right-handed pitcher. He was 11-1 and in the Yankees bullpen, and he had a 2.76 ERA, 24 games, pitched 120 and two-thirds innings, pitched for the uh, Yankees and he had eight games finished no saves he also made 11 starts that year eight complete games and one shutout for Steve Sundra so he was not only a good reliever but also a pretty good um, starting pitcher that year for the Yankees um, then there was Marius Russo left-handed reliever 24 years old he was 8-3 and three, um, had two two uh, 2.41 ERA 21 games he pitched in 116 innings Five games finished, three saves as well for the Yankees. But he also started and he made 11 starts. He also had nine complete games and two shutouts. So he almost finished every single game that he started. Um, Bud Chandler also pitched that year. He was 31 years old. Bud Chandler actually came in. Um, he started, I believe, when he was like 29 or 28 or something like that. Um, but I believe his better, he, his best year was coming up like in 1941 or 40 Um but anyway, he was 3-0 in the bullpen with a 2.84 ERA, 11 games pitched, 19 innings, and uh, 5 games finished. So, I mean, he had a good year, but, I mean, he was a, a really good starting pitcher, like in the, I believe it was in the early 1940s, Spud Chandler. Um, so, um, also a couple other relievers that they did use, um, but they didn't use all that much, was Marv Brewer, and Mar Brewer only pitched in one game. Wes Farrell only pitched in three games. So those are all, pretty much all your relievers and relievers starters, I guess you could say, because Steve Sundra and Marius Russo also made 11 starts each. Three of the all-stars for the, for the Yankees in their pitching staff was Red Ruffing, Lefty Gomez, of course two Hall of Famers, and Johnny Murphy um, being the other all-stars. So the Yankees had nine all-stars on that team. Um, if you've forgotten, it was Joe DiMaggio, Red Rofe. Joe Gordon, Frank Rossetti, George Selkirk, Bill Dickey, Lefty Gomez, Red Ruffing, and Johnny Murphy uh, were all All Stars for the New York Yankees. Um, 1939 in the World Series, um, the Yankees faced the Cincinnati Reds. Game one of the 1939 World Series, the Yankees won the first game, two to one. Red Ruffing got the win, pitched a complete game against um, Derringer. Um, he gets a loss, I believe it was Rick Derringer. But I'm not 100 percent sure um, what his first name was. But anyways, Babe Dahlgren. He, um, ironically enough, Babe Dahlgren actually got the first New York Yankees run of the series, the entire 1939 World Series, which is kind of I just cl- kind of felt like that was kind of interesting because obviously you know he was taking over for the iconic Lou Gehrig, and he gets the f- first run across with an RBI double um, in the first game of the World Series that year. Um, and then in the bottom of the ninth. The Yankees got a walk-off RBI single by their catcher and future Hall of Famer, of course now Hall of Famer, Bill Dickey, and the Yankees won the game 2-1, and then in Game 2 of the 1939 World Series, the Yankees had Monty Pearson pitching, and he pitched a complete game for them, um, and Walters for the Reds got the loss. Uh, Monty Pearson, um, he he, uh, led the Yankees to a 4-0 win, and the Yankees quickly went up to uh two to nothing on the on the Reds in the World Series. Game three. Um it was pretty much no different and the Yankees won the game seven to three against the Reds. Bump Hadley got the win. Thompson got the loss. Joe DiMaggio actually had a two run home run with the Yankees down three to two in the third inning. Um so the um, Joe DiMaggio comes through with a big hit and uh it's kind of Fitting too, because like it's it's almost kind of like it was the passing of the torch, you know. If you think about it, like because Lou Gehrig, you know, I th- and I think they said Lou Gehrig was actually in the dugout for that entire World Series, even though he didn't he couldn't play at all. And I, obviously, I don't think he probably wanted to because he knew that they were better off without him, unfortunately. Um, but um, uh, it's kind of fitting that Don got that he, he had such a good World Series, um, and cuz like he was the like it was basically like Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, like if if you think about great great Yankee uh legends that have, and there's they they've always kind of passed the torch to each other starting with Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth and uh Lou Gehrig kind of played together, but Lou Gehrig played a little bit longer than Ruth. So Lou Gehrig uh got the torch from Babe Ruth, uh then Joe DiMaggio gets the torch passed to, uh from Lou Gehrig and on and on and on of course Mickey Mantle and then uh, after Mickey Mantle, I guess you could you could say, um, I mean, I guess I guess after Mickey Mantle, you could probably say that that's kind of where it gets a little bit uh, funny. I mean, you could also say there was Yogi Berra back then, who obviously played with Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle. So there's a lot of players too that sometimes that had had uh, connections to you know Yankees of the past and even connections to now, like. Um, like even Derek Jeter, he played with, he played with guys that played with Don Mattingly, um, like Paul O'Neill played with Don Mattingly, and um, so same thing with Bernie Williams played with Don Mattingly, and Don Mattingly ended up he actually played with Ron Guidry, who played with Thurman Munson, and I don't think Thurman Munson ever played with Mickey Mantle, but um, he actually I think he played I know he played with uh, Roy White, who I think might have played with um, Mickey Mantle or at least yeah i believe he did actually for a little while um so it's, it's interesting how the the legends because the yankees have had so many great players that it's just it's just uh fascinating to me how how the, the legends of the game just um you know it just it just connects throughout Yankees' history um but anyways so the yankees were in the lead uh, after the first three games of the 1939 world series against the cincinnati reds um so it was 3-0. And then game four of the 1939 World Series, the game was 10 innings long. Um, and actually the winning pitcher of that game was Johnny Murphy. The Yankees won the game 7-4. Johnny Murphy got the win. Uh, and Walters got the loss, again, his second loss of the series. And the Yankees, went, they went ahead on a go-ahead, two RBI single in the top of the 10th. Um, there were actually two errors on the catcher in that in that. At bat, in the, in that on, on that play, and Joe DiMaggio ended up scoring. So it was basically like an inside the park home run, and that was it. The, the, the well, I mean that wasn't it. Obviously, they Johnny Murphy had to go back out and you know seal the deal, and he did. Yankees won seven to four, and that was it, which is going to be a devastating way for the Cincinnati Reds to lose a World Series, especially their catcher, who I believe his name was Ernie Lombardi. Um, at least I know his last name was Lombardi. I believe it was Ernie Lombardi, but um, anyways. So that's how the Yankees won the 1939 World Series. They they were the most dominant team of that season by far. Um, You know they had 106 wins, but if you think about it, they're one of the greatest Yankees teams of all time. And had they had a healthy Lou Gehrig, um, that that like it, it would have been amazing. Like how great this team could have been. But you know, regardless, this team was still one of the greatest Yankees teams in my opinion. In Yankees history as far as the as, um, um, as far as the stars of that World Series um, it seems like Charlie Keller was probably one of the biggest stars and so was Joe DiMaggio of course DiMaggio hit 313 in the World Series with a home run and three RBIs of course the home run coming in game three uh, two run home run with the Yankees down three to two to the Cincinnati Reds in the top of the third inning um, and he had three RBIs 16 at bats in the World Series and only struck out once. Charlie Keller hit 438, three home runs, six RBIs, 16 at bats, and two strikeouts. So that's not bad, not bad at all for a, a rookie. Um, you know, and Charlie Keller became a very, very good Yankee as well. Of course, not to the caliber of Dormaggio, but I mean, there's not many uh, players like Dormaggio as well. But Charlie Keller it was a he was a very, very good baseball player. Um, if you look up his numbers. Um, so, uh, anyways. That's it for this week. I just want to thank you, everyone, for listening and staying with us. Um, There will definitely be another episode next week. Um, Before I let you go, I just want to let you know that the Historic Pinstripes is a proud member of the 4041 Media family with other podcasts such as Movie Theater Time Machine. You can feel free to go to www.4041media.com for more information. Um, Again, thank you for listening. And as always, Go Yankees! (laughs)